Welcome to the Recession Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. Join your host, Sam Newell, as he educates you on how to make profitable, low-risk real estate investments that will cash flow through any economy. Hear interviews with the top real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the country to find out what they've learned and implemented since the 2008 recession. With over 10 years in real estate investing, it has become Sam's goal to help others invest for double-digit returns, but to also stay safe and not get caught in the next downturn. Tune in and become recession-proof. All right, Grace, thanks uh, a bunch for being on our podcast. This is the uh, Success and Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm honored to have you on. You're a great friend of mine, and I really appreciate it. Hi, Sam. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm really excited. So I just wanted to in introduce Grace, saying she's from the Bay Area. Um, specifically, your office is in Los Gatos, right? That's correct. Awesome. So Grace and I, we've known each other how long, Grace? Like five years, maybe? Yeah, five years, I think, at least. Yeah, we met at the Mike Ferry Real Estate Training Seminars and the prospecting schools, right? That's correct. You were sitting right next to me, if you remember, <laughs> on one we're of the both, conferences. Both working hard, that's right. Well, yeah. and now we've you've invested with me in Utah, Idaho, and I've been impressed with your, really your investment track record and also your success as a real estate agent. So I'm excited really to hear about the real estate side, but mostly about how awesome you've done at investing, how you do your due diligence. I've been really impressed with how much research you do and how uh, smart you've been with your money and been able to invest. So I'm excited to hear about it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So hey. Sam, I started in, oh, you want to hear about the story? Yeah. Okay. So I think you were asking about my journey uh, investing. Yeah, so absolutely. I started, you know, before I started with one or two properties, I wasn't too serious, maybe like back 10 years, you know, I'm Chinese. So it's a big deal to Chinese people to buy real estate. So right. I tried that, but the, I didn't start seriously investing until I actually uh, finished business school and about seven years, seven, eight years ago. And then at that time, I actually quit my high tech job. My younger daughter was born and mm -hmm. I finished business school all about the same time. And that was the time I felt like, okay, I'm not going back to corporate. I'm not going back to high tech. And now I have a new business degree. What am I going to do with this? So, and then at that time, I decided to stay home with my baby for a short time, about 10 months to a year. And then I felt like real estate investment is a great way to subsidize my income, number one. And I always enjoy looking at real estate. So with the skills in analyzing the investment opportunity. So that's how I got started. Awesome. So it sounds like you wanted a little bit more than the corporate life. You also wanted passive income to help you with your ultimate goals of being with your family, being with your daughters, and having a little bit um, better lifestyle. Is that right? That's correct. Awesome. That's so really correct. quick, I, wanna, I want to give our listeners an introduction on Grace and a little bit more about you. So you're a busy mom. You're a top real estate producer in the Bay Area, in the Silicon Valley area. As far as education, you have undergrad and you have a master's, an MBA. Uh, it's from Santa Clara University, right? That's correct. Perfect. So you had a long successful career in high tech and in software pro as a software project manager. 
you got out of that to start real estate. And it sounds like you actually started investing in real estate before you actually became a real, a real estate agent, right? That's correct. Yeah. So I started buying and selling and I really enjoy, you know, being at home with my baby and then money just comes in. And I thought, wow, what a great way <laughs> to have passive income. And I yeah. like it so much that, you know, I mean, one of the best real estate market in the whole country. And yeah. I, that sparked my interest in getting my license and be an agent in this area as well. That's awesome. Who doesn't love free money and or money that's coming in with whether you work or not, right? That's correct. So cool. Well, and you know, it's funny. You and I have the same career path. I bought my first flip and then my realtor said, hey, you know, if you're a good salesman, I was doing summer sales at the time. She said, you ought to get your license. You could probably make some great money. So it's funny that you and I started investing before we actually got our licenses. Yeah, well, that's great. <laughs> so, so you've been one of the top producing agents in the Silicon uh, uh, Valley area in the last five years. And you're a busy mom on top of that. So tell me about that. How do you balance those two? Because I know balance is big for you, right? Yeah, that's right. So when I work in corporate, I felt like the balance is tough to mm -hmm. achieve because you can have work-life balance. I mean, the companies, the big companies talk about that a lot. Maybe I think they are required to say that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you don't have a deadline, if you don't have customer calling on you, yeah, sure, you can have your balance. Right. Uh, but if there's a deadline, then they don't, you know, it's hard to balance when the baby's not sleeping and maybe the kids are sick and you're not getting any sleep. But, you know, there's a big deadline coming up and other team members are depending on you to, you know, deliver your part. So I felt like that stress is, you know, very tough to deal with. And it could be months at a time. You know, it could be, you know, we have a big deadline coming up in a month. Then you will be working nonstop uh, over time for a whole month, you know, easy. Right. So, that, 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 is, that is very stressful uh, to do that. And when the kids are young, were young, then I get stressed out when they don't go to bed on time because mm -hmm. my, on my mind, I'm thinking I got to go back to the computer. I got to get this thing right. done. And then I wasn't really, really present for my kids. When, mm -hmm. you know, I, I you feel know. your pain there. I mean, Liam's 19 months right now and Heidi's five and Bedtime is a is a daily battle. Luckily, Lauren takes most of that load. And so your daughters now, they're 8 and 11, is that right? That's correct. And I know on from Facebook that you really enjoy traveling and taking them to see the world. You grew up in Hong Kong. You came mm -hmm. here and you went to college here. So you speak Cantonese, Mandarin, obviously English. And it sounds like it's very important to you to help be balanced, but also to be successful and have passive income, to be able to show them the world and have them see these other places and have you know some diversity and some fun experiences like that. Yeah, that's correct. I felt like I'm very blessed. I grew up in Hong Kong and I had the opportunity to come to the US. So I actually see the both cultures. I know the Chinese culture really well and I've been here long enough that I know the American culture and I am so lucky that I can pick and choose the good ones from the two cultures and blend it into my own unique way in many things, parenting, running business, and how to live in general. So I really would like to give that opportunity to my kids 
as well. They can go anywhere in the world if they want to. They speak Chinese and English as well. And I love for them to learn Spanish. And if they want to go to a Spanish-speaking country, see the world, go to Europe, anywhere they want to go, I want to just let them know that they have the freedom to do that. And I love to go with them wherever they want to go and visit them at least, you know, and just be open and have the diversity and freedom to do whatever they want. That's awesome. And, and you know, one of my best friends growing up, Rick Sue, his, both of his parents were from China. He's first generation American. He understands Cantonese, but doesn't speak it very well. How are your daughters doing? I'm curious. They're doing good. They, they understand everything I say. Uh, they may choose to respond in English, mm-hmm. uh, but sometimes I make them do both. Awesome. Respond in English and make sure their vocabulary, they know all how to say something in Chinese. So I try to make them uh, practice. But they go to Chinese immersion school locally. So they learn it in school and speak it every day. So that's, that's also very helpful to make sure they speak both fluently. Awesome. Well, and, and you know, Grace, uh, you know, we're very similar. The, the reason I invest is the same thing. I want to have freedom for my family. It's a lifestyle. So we invest to make money. And, and that's what we do. But the why is much bigger than that. The why for me is my kids, their college education, my wife and having enough put away and passive income if anything were to happen to me. And now it's moved on to the foreign exchange student that I'm paying for his schooling and my niece and nephew and saving for their schooling as well. So I, I think you and I are very similar that way where our goals are to make money and to make a lot of money but it's more to help others and to create a lifestyle for our families and, and our loved ones. Tell me about kind of what your goals are there and, and what investing has done for you in your lifestyle. Yeah. Well, first of all, being a real estate agent, our income is not stable. Mm-hmm. One month or the market right. fluctuates from month to month. So having that passive income actually pre- creates some stability. Helps with the roller income. coaster, right? Exactly. So at least, you know, you know, mortgage is paid, you know, the schooling is paid and you're not stressed out every month trying to find enough uh, income to pay for the basic needs in life. Right. So that's actually very, very helpful. Number one. And number two is just the freedom. You know, sometimes working in a corporate, you only get two weeks of vacation out of a year. And even if you want to travel, you don't have that time. And sometimes, you know, it's just don't not have enough time to vacation to do that. So now I'm very blessed with the freedom. And when my kids are off on vacation, then I can take them wherever they want to go. And I travel with my mom as well. She's 75, very healthy. And it's just awesome. the three generations going on trips together. And we have a flat. We went to Europe. Uh, we went to Spain and Portugal last year. And this year wow. we're going to Italy. So it's just memories that, I, you know, memories that we have to make. And these are memories that, you know, I hope I, we can, I can live them as long as I can. And I would go on trips with them as long as I, as long as they want to come with me. And I'll tell right. them where they go. So Until this they're is done something with that makes, <laughs> well, my kids, if they're grown, maybe they don't want to come with me. Then I'll take my mom wherever she wants to go. And she's a good, great travel companion. And it's just memories that, it creates, right. that we create as a family. It's very important to me. Well, and, and, you know, if your daughters are eight, eight and 11, you have just a few more years until they're off to college. And so I'm a firm believer in taking advantage, just like you're saying, and, and everything, you know, those years up until they turn 18 and, 
And it's hard to do that if you're trapped in a corporate job or you don't have real estate investments giving you that passive income. And, and so let's talk a little bit about the investments that you've made because you're one of the most diverse investing uh, investors that I know. And I love where you started because you started and your progression has been very similar to a lot of people as far as the assets that you buy but you've bought all over the country and most people don't do that. They start close to home. So tell me about those first properties you bought in the Midwest. Yeah. Great. So I, I didn't know I am what kind of investor I was when I first started. So at that time, because I already quit my job. So my number one goal was the income. So at that time I'm sitting in my home in California, you know, uh, it, we're in 2011, probably at the bottom of the market, but still loans are hard to get because right. they tighten all the rules and the lending. And I have, you know, working in corporate, I have maybe 150,000, maybe plus some stock sitting in the bank, not making any income or interest at the time. Mm -hmm. So then I started with $150,000. So I pull up my spreadsheet on how to evaluate investment opportunities. And then I just start calling all over the country. I started in California. I've owned property in California before. But, you know, I said, okay, what else can I do? If not here, what can I buy outside of California? So I started, I have a friend who told me, I think she bought in Nebraska. I think that was, uh, and then she said, Grace, you know, $50,000 for a single family home that pays 800 over there. Look into wow. it. Yeah. Then I called that. I said, okay, 50000 you know, with 150 maybe I can get three. Okay. So let's go further. Uh, and see what I can get. So I start calling, you know, uh, other states. And then I went to school in Wisconsin, Madison. So I, okay. I know I've lived there for three years. So I'm not, I'm familiar sort of with the Midwest. I've been mm -hmm. there, the weather, I've lived through the very harsh winter there. And I said, okay, well, let me call around there to see what I can find. So I end up finding at that time, there were a lot of bank owned properties. Uh, you know, uh, to go around, and I end up buying around twenty-five thousand to thirty thousand dollar for a single-family home that pays wow. about seven hundred, seven hundred a month. Hold on, I'm going to do the calculation really quick on that. I want to see what your cap rate was. So you're making seven hundred a month. Mm -hmm. Six five. I think it was in there. And you're paying about thirty thousand. Actually, the first one I bought was twenty-five thousand. So you bought, this is funny, you bought at a 21.8% cap rate. That's funny because you're lucky to get a 5 to 6% cap rate these days. Um, that's just how much the market has recovered. So I would say that's a, that's a home run or, or that'd be more like a grand slam. I mean, that's a fantastic <laughs> investment. You really cash flowed really well. Really well. And at the time, Sam, it's just, I'm sitting at home with a new baby. I have $150,000 that I look, I'm looking to invest. And let's say if I start a business or buy a business, I would never know when I'm going to see the first dollar back. Right. Right. A franchise is more than 150 in a lot of cases. And but buying a piece of real estate to 25,000 and I get my first dollar in rent back in 30 days or less. Mm -hmm. And it seems like at that time, the risk is very low risk compared to other investments. I mean, this is the business school training that I get evaluating opportunities and right. look at the risk. 
and it seems lowest in capital investment and also what are my risks. So I looked through all the risks that I could have owning a piece of real estate. You know, I could get sued, you know, or I, the house could burn down, but you have ways to protect, yeah. you know, I you have had insurance to for that, right? myself from, from those, yeah. And then also if I, I own my properties in an LLC and I uh, protect myself that way in case I get sued. And, so and I we need like to, that. let's do a pause right there. I just, I have an investor okay. and I'm not going to say his name. He's a really nice guy. I just found out all of his properties are in his name and he has a family. He has like five kids and he's getting older. And I said, what are you doing? Please, please put those in a, in an LLC. I have mine in a series LLC and in a mm -hmm. trust. Mm -hmm. So I'm not an attorney. I've got some great attorneys. I'll actually put in the notes for this podcast. I know Grace, you probably have one as well and an accountant, but mm -hmm. and that is really important. Make sure all your rental properties or investments are in LLCs. You know, and the reason that's important, if if someone slips and falls on the ice and sues you, well, if Grace is home and all of her rentals are in her name, all of those properties are now open to the same lawsuit. So there's yeah. no protection there. And so that's, you know, that's a really good piece of advice. I would do a series LLC. Again, I'm not an attorney, but this is what I do every day. This is what Grace does every day. You really do need to protect yourself. And, and when doing that with the right insurance, to me, I don't know what you think, Grace, the risk is so much lower than these other businesses or stock market investments or, or anything else you can really do. And the return is higher. Right, right. So what's the worst case? If my twenty-five thousand dollar home is not rented, then I just have less income that month. Yeah. Like uh, for for those that I invested with cash, I have no mortgage payment, so I'm just making a few hundred dollar less that month. Mm -hmm. And I end up buying fifteen of them. I own fifteen of them in the Midwest over a period of a year. That I thought I said, oh, this is actually pretty good. And my right. initial investment is only twenty-five thousand. So I. I learned a lot from buying one and the next one, and I have a good contact, a good agent over there helping me evaluating the opportunities. So you just kind of gain knowledge and you gain, you know, more confidence in doing it and you just expand so, from there. So you saw the cash flow, $700 a month on 25000 and I guess you liked it? I loved it. And <laughs> So the, the, the important thing to own that type of investment is it's important to get a pool. You, you have multiple of them. Right. Because I bought them bank owned and some of the homes need repair, maybe a new roof here and there. So I may have 15, maybe every year I would actually capitalize on 12. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the income will be used in improving the property, making repairs. You know, so I'm still making really good income on the of the ones that I actually, you know, after I net all the expenses that I have, it's still a really, really good return. So, so right. that's why if you own just one, maybe you make 4000 a year net. And then if you pay a, a roof, may, may take care of that already. So, right. so it's important to yeah, get multiple for those. Yeah, economies of scale really helps. And I think that's where we're probably going to next is people end up realizing that your onesies and twosies maybe aren't the most profitable what and, and that's why people go into multifamily they start looking at duplexes fourplexes and and that's what you and i have worked on together and and now you know we just closed on 208 doors in dallas your risk and your expenses are spread out over a large number of doors 
and it's a lot easier to take care of that roof or the furnace or whatever because you still have that mm -hmm. income coming in from those other properties. Um, right. So you just sold all those properties, right? And I know that was a headache doing the 1031 exchange. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I felt like it's the right time. They still cash flowing really well, but mm -hmm. I felt like it's the right time because of the deferred maintenance coming up. Right. And right now, you know, speaking of that is because my investment strategy also changed. Uh, a little bit. Now that I am established in my uh, real estate business here, I feel like income is not as important at this particular moment or in the next few years because, you know, I, uh, my real estate business, I'm working hard and then I'm doing well in my business. So my strategy has kind of changed a little bit to more a mix. You know, I want to buy better properties that will appreciate more. Mm -hmm. So the ones in Wisconsin or, you know, in the Midwest, they don't appreciate. It's just purely right. income. They don't appreciate. Don't well, expect any appreciation. Did yours appreciate, though? Because you bought it like the Mine first time. <laughs> Yes, I bought at the very, very bottom. You know, so some of them appreciated to maybe 40000 maybe high 30s and 40s. It's still appreciation. Percentage-wise, they appreciated quite That's a like bit. 30%. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's not bad, you know. So. And that's, that's one thing I wanted to talk about. You and I were just having this discussion about a fourplex you own. I have some other investors in the exact same position. I'm in that same position where I've had really good appreciation. I have some great uh, cash flowing properties, but I'm looking at the numbers and I have all this money that I've earned that isn't doing anything for me. So, I mean, was that part of your decision to sell as well as, hey, I've earned an extra hundred thousand dollars that's doing nothing for me at this point and now you're able to deploy that didn't i think you just bought a fourplex a couple fourplexes and a property in seattle right that's correct yeah so like i said my investment strategy has changed so those from an income purely income now i have more knowledge i have talked to, you know met a lot of great agents like yourself that i get more education in different areas so i feel like you know, the cash flow was great, but I can do better. I can get the cash flow and also the appreciation. There's so many uh, great cities like Salt Lake City and Boise and Seattle. They're growing rapidly with a lot of appreciation. So if the income is not, you know, if I don't need a 20 cap, you know, a six cap will be great. Right, <laughs> Plus right. the, you know, 8%, 10% increase in home prices, then it's become more like a mix a little right. more balanced in my in my portfolio as well so i have some that are more um, appreciation than income but i i have a mix of them just kind of balance it out right right and and the other thing i want to hit on that you you mentioned briefly is deferred maintenance and i did the same thing that you've done is i looked at all these older rental properties that i owned and i said well there's a new roof that needs to be done in a couple years. There's furnaces, water heaters. Man, I, I would love to receive cash flow, but not have to pay for any of those things that are coming up. So mm -hmm. a few years ago, and I'm selling another one this year, is I sold all of my older rental properties and exchanged those into newer properties. You know, the Fig triplex I own. You have two fig fourplexes, edged homes here in Lehigh and the Silicon Slopes. All of those now kind of reset that deferred maintenance timeline. And I'm excited because I don't really have anything to do repair-wise 
for the next five to seven to eight years. And, you know, that it's simpler, it's easier, it reduces stress and the, the annoyance of owning a rental property, but also it just helps your bottom line. You brought up a great point, especially around here in my area, investing is, you know, you have very to no income. You're mm-hmm. just buying for appreciation for many, many occasions. Right. So then a lot of investors here, they are afraid to own out of state because of that maintenance what if they call me in the middle of the night with a plumbing issue so owning newer properties as a out-of-state investor is you just take care of a lot of those you know for the oh, yeah. the developer has the first year warranty that helps and also mm-hmm. there won't be any roof or furnace or ac issue hopefully in five ten years so you just cut down on a lot of those maintenance issues right. And I think you're right. It helps those that maybe aren't industry professionals like you and I have the confidence to own out of state, you know, and, and of course I always set my clients up and I know you do too with a really good property manager. So they never get a call. They don't, they don't have to worry about any toilets flooding in the middle of the night or or any late night calls. And so that's really, really nice not having to worry about those things, but also, you know, one thing you mentioned as well is, is having new property, but in a good growing area, like a Seattle, a Boise Valley that's exploding right now, and the Silicon Slopes. And I mean, we have absolutely been exploding 60,000 plus new jobs. Mm -hmm. Adobe, Amazon, eBay have all set up headquarters here. Facebook is building a data center right now. And you're taking advantage of some massive equity. And I know on your fourplex, you've already made, it's not even finished yet, by the way, you've already made close to $80,000, if not more. And and so you're going to be getting great cash flow, but like you said, really good appreciation as well. And and I think that's important to buy in a really good area and location and not chase cap rates um, necessarily. You want to get a good cap rate and good cash flow, but like you said, there needs to be a balance. Yeah, especially, you know, my friends, a lot of my clients, they are working. They're going to, they enjoy their work, Mm -hmm. but they just want it a little easier. Maybe have some extra money for vacation, you know, enjoy a great vacation. So these are uh, great, easy to own properties with very less headache. And I agree with you that I will always own properties with a property manager because I want it to be easy. I would pay you just put that expense into your spreadsheet and this is a, a, a expense I will pay for every property that I own. Then I still come out a fixed cap or better. Then yep. it's a great property and I don't have to get calls. And honestly, if I own out of state, I don't know the, all the maintenance issues locally, like right. how to winterize the pipes, you know, you know, how to set the furnace. You and I talked high- about, were we talking about like the 10 foot long icicle on one of your properties? That's right. <laughs> you know, yeah, here in Utah, right. you know, you just buy a $60 heating coil and throw it on your roof. Californians don't really have to think about that or even know that, right? We do, I did not know that because I have, you know, we don't see snow here. We're nice and warm here. So it's just right. different climate. So it's good to have a good property manager to know what mm-hmm. they to know what to do. So I don't have to know because I don't, I never lived there. Right. Well, yeah. what else, what else as far as analyzing properties do you think our listeners would benefit from? I mean, I know you do a ton of research, you look at jobs, you look at 
growth and um, you look at all that, but what else is, if someone's looking to buy maybe just one townhome like you and I have just purchased or one fourplex and, and they're trying to decide between a Boise, a Utah, a Seattle, what advice would you give them? First of all, of course, knowing what your goals are, like, like I said, my strategy and goals have changed. Then you mature over time and you find opportunities that fit your goals. And the other thing I did a lot of research is expenses, right? So it can be, people ask me about what about Texas? What about other areas? So you just need to know Texas, you pay higher in property tax. Yeah. It's okay if it's a good return, if it, you still get a really good return, maybe it's worth it. You just need to know, for example, California is a more tenant-friendly state than if you were to evict a tenant. We're talking about hiring an attorney. You're talking about $2,000 in expenses, and wow. you, you could last months of them having respond to your request and not moved out so you can go back and forth for months and you losing i don't know three thousand two thousand a month and if you have if you have a mortgage you still have to pay the mortgage without any income coming in right so that's that's a risk you have to know and it's pretty simple if they're not paying rent they're out in three weeks you still pay about seven hundred dollars with an attorney but they're out in three weeks and, and that's so that people don't take advantage of the system and, yeah. and hurt yeah. you know, investors. And I think that's a, a really good point. Do your research, no taxes. I know there's a company right now advertising investment properties. I was looking at it yesterday. Their taxes were off by $5,000 on a, on a fourplex, 5,000 yeah. a year. And that completely changes the investment. Right. So knowing good agents, help and a lot of it is on public website go to the tax assessor's office uh, i mean website and mm -hmm. pull up and see what they actually paid last year that helps and one thing i learned also about you know section eight renters you know a lot of the cities require you to register your property as a rental property and if you rent to section eight then they have uh, a yearly inspection then right. you may have an extra expense in fixing items uh, mm -hmm. you know, to have Section 8. So know what kind of tenant, what kind of uh, uh, demographics is in the area that you're buying as well. Mm -hmm. um, utilities. So in some cities, the, the landlord has to pay uh, water or some different kinds of utilities. And right. if your tenant let the toilet run for a whole month, then that could become a very big yeah. um, water bill. And, and in some cities, they don't, they don't bill you monthly. They bill you quarterly. So it could go on for three months before you find out. And right. that's a big water, uh, water bill. So knowing what you pay as a tenant, the taxes you pay, what's the eviction process look like, who lives there, what, kinda, what can you expect from the people who will be wanting to live here and rent there so that uh, talk to a local property manager ask them would you even go to that neighborhood and <laughs> collect rent for me if it's not a good area they you may not be able to find anyone to help you out there so then right. you kind of yeah you well, know what you don't I tell be... my uh, agents is you know when I'm looking in Dallas or Kansas City I'd say no war zones I, if I feel like I need a gun to collect rent that's probably mm. not a location I want to buy on buy in unless it's a flip and I still still probably don't want to because your contractors your property manager, they're going to have issues, you know, I think you're right. 
So what I'm hearing is do a lot of research and, and don't trust a pro forma, you know, don't trust and and trust, but verify, right? Trust, but verify. So you have the county assessor, you have agents you can call and do research with. You have a lot of resources as an investor and, you know, for those of you listening, call Grace, ask her. She's a great resource. I'll post her phone number and email in, in the link to this, this podcast. But especially if, in your, if you're in the Bay Area, Grace is a top producing real estate agent. I think you sold just over, what, $28 million last year in real estate? Yeah. That puts you, I think you're, in the last five years, you've been in the top five, or, or what was it in your, in your region? It's a top five percent, you know, for the company. So that okay. that was yeah. So that's very blessed. I I enjoy what I do, and awesome. you know, my clients like to work with me, and I I have fun, you know, helping my clients. Right. Well, I mean, that says a lot. You're you're hugely successful, and that means you're getting return business. People know and trust you. All right, I've got a couple of questions that I emailed you to before that. I just wanted to ask you, as far as just a little bit about you, and and I wanted to know what are the what's the habit that you think has really helped you generate being a top real estate producing agent in the Bay area and a successful investor? What is that habit? I think it's a good, strong, positive mindset. It's very important because my, in my area price point is high. And if I lose a, a, a listing, you know, we're talking about 30, 40, $50,000, you know, you name it, you know, depending on, so it is sometimes it's tough to lose one or lose a client or lose a deal or didn't get a deal. So a strong mindset is very, very important, right? Do the, the fundamentals, mm-hmm. uh, good, good skills, do the fundamentals, good habits and be consistent. And then, you know, just trust, you know, it will come, you know, you just work hard and then, you know, the right clients will come, the right deals will come. Right. And in the meantime, not stressed out hundred, you know, about, you know, money, especially I have passive income coming in and right. I get to enjoy my kids, enjoy traveling and enjoy life in general. So it, it's just having a balanced, good, positive. Otherwise, if I am grumpy, if I am mad about everything, then it's just not a good way to live. Number one. Right. And my clients don't want to work with agents that are grumpy. I think we've all dealt with grumpy, stressed, I call them commission breath agents who maybe don't have these habits in place. And I would say one thing you've done really well, Grace, as well, is is getting training from the Mike Ferry training uh, company and and you have a coach. And so any high producer needs a coach. So I think that's one great habit you have as well. Tell me about your top three books. I want to know what has influenced you the most. And then tell me about your top three influential people in your life. That's great. Okay. So the the one book I put in the list is uh, Obstacle is the Way. It's by Ryan Holiday. Mm-hmm. So this book talks about, you know, the Stoic philosophers, how to do Stoicism. And basically is, you know, separate yourself from what you I can control and what I cannot. Right? What I can control is my habits, is my mindset, the skills, the time I put into the business. And what I can control is people, you know, if they don't like me they don't like to work with me well that's nothing i can do you know maybe there there will be other clients that will want to work with me so just separate that is huge 
plus, you know, one of the person that's influenced me the most is my mom. And she's a stoic philosopher. She just doesn't know it. It's just I was, I, now that I have read more about this type of, you know, living and doing business. And she actually has a, she grew up, she had a tough, tough life growing up, but she always uh-huh. had a really strong and tough mindset. And I got some of that from her. And now after I read all these books and I said, oh, okay, you know, that actually make a lot of sense that I have been growing up with these type of, you know, teaching from her. So that, that's awesome. Awesome. I think you said Mike Ferry is also one of your top influencers and then your manager there at Intero um, is Brian Crane, right? That's correct. So Mike Ferry is huge uh, for me in my business because I came into this business, never been a salesperson. So I've never done sales. I was in a project management professional services uh, when I was in the high-tech world. So I have not been a salesperson and I'm not trained as a salesperson. So Mike, the Mike Ferry organization actually helped me with that. And right. I know going into any career or profession, you need the training. Right. And when I was in software, I needed the college degree. I needed to constantly learn about the new technology all the time. So I know, okay, I need some skills somewhere. So the yeah. Mike Ferry organization and Mike Ferry himself is you know, instrumental in helping me in getting the skills that I need. Awesome. And Brian, my manager, Brian Crane, I think he is just my role model because I see him being super successful and a happy, balanced person. He's so nice. You know, he's so nice. And I feel like, oh, okay, I actually ha- can have both. I see successful people that are stressed out all the time and have no time for their family. That's not how I want to do it. And right. if I am happy and relaxed all the time and no money coming in, and you know, that's not good either. So he's actually my role model. He's the first person that I met and have both. And I said, oh, okay. I can be like him and he helped me out a lot in achieving that. That's awesome. Well, we need to get him on the show. So I know he's invested with, with both you and I as well. And we're running short on time here, man. I really appreciate you being on the show and on the podcast and, and really quick, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Is it email, phone, Facebook? Uh, yeah. So I am on Facebook, Grace Stein Real Estate. My phone number is 408-480-9312. Or okay. G-Sang, G-T-S-A-N-G at Intero, I-N-T-E-R-O dot com. So it's very easy to find me. You can Google me and you can find me as well. Perfect. I'll, I'll throw that in the notes as well. I know there's pl- probably plenty of people in the Bay Area that need to meet with you, need to pick your brain on the investment side, as well as maybe sell a home or two or buy a home or t- one or two with you. Man, Grace, thank you so much. I've really appreciated you being on here. Hopefully, I'll be out again to speak at one of your meetups. And I know I think we see each other, what, at the end of this month? Yeah, well, we had a great success last time when you came down. It was really uh, a, a lot of great information. And I learned a lot just meeting great people. And yeah, we just have to do it again. Awesome. Sounds great. All right, I'm going to sign off. Thank you so much.